Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Proverbs 29. We have a lot of work that needs to get done for the Lord. How does that work get done? doesn't get done by showing up for church. How does it get done? There's a spirit of unity, and that's how it gets done. And too many people brag, well, I come to church every Sunday. I just never miss. Well, that's great. That's not service. That's called being served. So what are you doing? What am I doing to serve the Lord? We need to have the spirit of unity to be able to do that. And with that unity, the first point I'm going to make is this. Proverbs 29, look at verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You know what the church has, the New Testament church has? You know what they have one of? They have one pastor. Some call it a lead pastor. Some call it a head pastor, whatever. They have one pastor. Guess what that pastor isn't? The greatest American hero. Okay. The the one pastor of the church cannot do everything. He can't clean the church. He can't clean up the limbs that fall off the trees. He can't sweep the, uh, and vacuum the church house. He can't do all of the evangelism, take all the calls, take all the complaints, do the bulletin, do everything, and then prepare three term papers. Every week. That is not how a New Testament church works in unity. It's not. There's a spirit of unity where there is a vision for the people to serve the Lord. You don't want to know. You want to know why churches die? They are dying by the hundreds. I'm talking about independent Baptist churches. They are dying by the hundreds every year. You know why? There is no vision. People just don't want to. Well, they don't. But that's not the only reason. There's no vision. There's no vision. We need to have a vision. You know what the pastor's job is to do? To help. To die. To serve amongst the sheep. But his job. And, and to advise with a vision. But he cannot do everything. The whole body is needed. You know, you take an axe, go chopping wood, and you think, well, it's your arm that's doing it because your arm's swinging the wood. Well, you need a back that's strong, right? You need legs to support. You need your other hand for balance. You need your eyes to see so you don't cut off your shin. I mean, there's a lot going on, even though the arm actually has the axe and is swinging. We need to have a body that is a community. I titled this lesson, Unity Brings Community. It should be a local church family. We need to be committed, fully committed, to a community-wide proclamation of the saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. People say, brother, you've been saying this for three and a half years. I know, and I'm going to keep saying it. Because people think, 
that coming to church is serving God because the sign said we have Sunday service. We are being served. We are being fed the word of God so that we can go out and serve. Now don't misunderstand. If readers are serving, Sunday school teachers are serving, music, uh, leading, song playing is serving. So don't, I'm not going down that road. The road I'm going down is it needs to be more than just Sunday morning, Sunday night, and midweek. And if it's not Sunday night and midweek, then make it a priority to add one of them. And I'm not saying nobody's not saved and nobody's not living for the Lord. They don't make every service. But don't misunderstand that either. Uh, I'm healthy. Praise the Lord. I have energy. Praise the Lord. Not everybody has that blessing. So I'm not going down that road that if you don't come to church, every service is not right with God. Everybody has their own things the Lord's dealing with. Trying to draw back the lens. That's all I'm trying to do is draw back the lens and say, we've got to have unity around the community-wide proclamation of the gospel. The more I do public ministry, the more it boggles my mind that people in good Bible-believing churches would, would, would fight with each other and would fight with the preacher. It just boggles my mind. We're out at this religious fair at Tech on Saturday. And you would be surprised. There are probably five or maybe six tents where when those tech students walk by, you could know that they were getting the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Five or six out of about 30. <laughs> I'm approached by a faith leader. And this faith leader says, oh, I'm the new priest at such and such church. You say, okay, well, that guy must be, oh, no, it wasn't that guy. <laughs> it was that woman. It was that woman. A good place to ask, the, you know, the, the question that's being asked now, what is a woman? <laughs> and I can list about four or five other oddities complete oddities that were going on that religious thing. You want to have some unity, unite around the gospel and bring it to a lost and dying world where at least you have a preacher that's trying to give the people a vision to actually get off of their bottom dollar and go and do something. You say, I can't. Why not? I'm too old. Well, most old people still have telephones. My mother still has a telephone. <laughs> no, I mean on the wall. <laughs> I don't need the one in the pocket. I mean, you know, you can call somebody. You can write letters to old friends. I just can't do what you're supposed to do. I'm not telling you to do what I do. 
I'm telling you to figure out a way to get in opportunity of proclaiming saving gospel. Some way. Text message, email. Well, I can never preach on the street. Nobody asks you to preach on the street. I can never talk to people one-on-one at the uh, religious fair on the college campus. Nobody said that you had to do that. But the Bible does say you are commanded to do something that involves evangelism. That means corporately with your church body, your church family. It's your family. Well, I don't like my family. Too bad. Nobody likes their family. Everybody has a family, right? The animals, the outlaws, every last one of them. And they all get together and they get along. Why? Usually for the sake of one of the patriarchs or matriarchs of the family, right? So if you're older, you get all the kids together. All the kids have different ideas about everything. You know why they get along? Because great, great grandma's there. It's called unity. It's called unity. For the sake of something higher, bigger, bigger than ourselves. I'm one of six. I'm the oldest of six. And when I finally get back to New Jersey and we finally can get almost everybody together, you know why we don't go food at each other and get into a big fight? His mom and dad are there, and we just want them to happen, seeing us all get along. That's because there's something higher than me or you. Something higher. Unity, unity, unity. First Corinthians chapter number one. First Corinthians one. Watch it says verse number 10. First Corinthians 1, verse number 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that y'all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. We all know we are not baby Christians in this church house this morning. We all know there was a lot of problems in the church of Corinth. The root problem was division. They had preacher worship. It's the polar opposite of man-centered worship. Man just worships himself. If you want to tie those two together, man finds a preacher that agrees with everything he thinks and then worships that preacher, which really he's just worshiping him. This is the problem with uh, YouTube ministers. Now, don't misunderstand this. We're on YouTube. But if you're listening on YouTube and using what we say and what we teach to break up and divide with your preacher, that is not a spirit of unity. There is a proper and respectful way to leave a church, and it is not by listening to a long-distance preacher and using his material to tear the thing up. That is not Christian. But people find someone online that they agree with that's a long-distance preacher that they can't drive to. You know why? Because they can cherry pick the sermons that they like. 
You know what the problem is? It's really not a problem, but people perceive it as a problem. If they come to church on a regular basis, if it's a church like ours that actually teaches all the counsel of God, or at least tries to, eventually you're just going to come across something that's going to rub you the wrong way, and they're going to get mad at the preacher. That's carnal Corinthian Christianity. Preacher isn't above the word of God, and the people aren't above the word of God. And the divisions was happening because of this man-centered worship and this preacher worship. Some men never ever desire that at all, yet they receive it. Some men desire. And you can probably recall in your mind a preacher that which is why some of you are here. Because you're tired of the nonsense, nonsensical stuff that is said and happens uh, over a pulpit from a preacher that has a God complex. There's going to be problems at all churches, and there are going to be problems in all families. Coming up in the fall, we're going to be doing some, we're going to be doing some sermon series on the family. Because families have visions, families have problems, families have disputes, spouses have issues. And if you think that you're going to get married, you know, the husband thinks that the wife's going to do every little thing that she says. It's not the way life works. The idea that she doesn't have liberty to be able to disagree because she'd be crossing the man of God. Well, we're going to be going over some of those matters. Family, blood family, just like church family, your spiritual family, there are issues and problems that come up. First Corinthians chapter 3. Who do you belong to? 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. Well, I'm not going to go out with Brother Jimmy on Friday afternoon for street ministry. I'm not going to go out with uh, Christopher down at the Dogwood Park. I'm not going to go with him. Okay, then just go with God. <laughs> Show up and meet him there and go with God. <laughs> I just couldn't knock doors. I don't want to go with that guy. I really don't like him. I wouldn't know what to say. Okay, then just meet them at the door. Just meet them at the doorstep and go with God. Look, I did three examples, but you can just fill in any example. We are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. Who built you up? God did. I praise God I can be used by him to teach his word. And then I praise God people still come back when look, I'm a flawed person. I'm rough around the edges. I've been told many a time, you know, you're I don't know if that, that preaching is gonna go or not <laughs> in some way, shape, or not scholarly enough. That's not this enough. That's too, that's not polished enough. Well, I can either try to be somebody I'm not, or 
I can just try to be used to God who God made me to be and let him build me up. I'm asking me the same question. Who's building you up? It's God. Who are you going to do evangelism with? Should be God. It should be we should all be with, with him. <clears throat> We're supposed to work together for his glory. I'd be happy to do everything. Matter of fact, that's part of the ministry. When you get into it, expect to do everything. Everything. Just take Sister Caroline. She'll tell you what it's like in the early days. I'm not complaining and I am not bragging. I'm just stating a fact. But I don't want to do everything. You shouldn't want me to do everything. Because all you do is get to sit back and watch me fail. All you get to do is sit back and get out there and you do something. Now you can face the real enemy. We are not each other's enemy. The real enemy is this lost, what Satan has done to this lost dying world. You know, we sing that song, Rescue the Parish. Rescue the Parish. Well, that's too hard. It's too hard to swallow a sense of denial. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Let's change. Let's change tonality and go to the book of Philippians. Change the tone here and look at Philippians chapter number one. We'll get a contrast. Philippians one. <clears throat> look at verse number twelve. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of end and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. I there do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I will. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. If you say, you know, Lord, just get me out of here. You know, everybody wants to be in heaven with the Lord, but most of the time, we don't really want to go right 
enjoy our family and our friends and our church and and, and living to the Lord down here, right? We do want to do that. But we still have this where we're two, betwixt two. Man, it'd be nice to just go be with the Lord right now. And there's some truth to that. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. See that in verse 24? So that's why God hasn't called Because it's needful for you right now to abide in the flesh and to be here. And having this confidence, verse 25, I know that I shall find in you with you for all your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now, I'm not going to use this verse, rest it to my own destruction, and say that, well, the only thing Christians can talk about is the conversation should only be come to the gospel of Christ. Aren't there other things you talk about, like in a couple of hours, what's going to eat, what's going to be for lunch? You have other conversations. You have work-related conversations. You're not sinning against God if you're talking to your boss about a carnal matter. But spiritually speaking, there can be a lot said for this verse. Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. It's amazing to me that people say, well, we need the main thing, the main thing. Yet most of what they talk about isn't the main thing. And when it's time to go out and actually talk about the main thing, the laborers are few. Say, well, I mean, are, are you preaching at me? Well, yeah, I mean, you're here. Who else would I preach this to? <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude. Well, I can't believe he's talking about me. Who else would I be talking to? This is the audience. I'm not talking to the people online. They might, they might be viewing. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together. Striving together. I'm going to say it again. Striving together for what? The faith of the gospel. We've got respect in this chapter. We've got love. Uh, see that verse 17? Look at it again. See that love? But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of what? The gospel. Look at the rejoicing in verse 18. Christ is preached. Neither in you rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. See that rejoicing? Look at verse 25. Furtherance and joy, faith. 26, it comes up again, more rejoicing. It's abundant in Christ. And then it talks about finally finishing out verse 27, the conversation, because of the gospel. 
and strive together for the gospel. You know what that gives you and I an opportunity to do? Well, let me say this first. You know why parents with boys and even girls, you know why they have something to do? So they don't fight. You know why boys need something to do? So they burn off some energy. You can't keep a, this idea of keeping a boy in a government classroom for eight hours and he's supposed to sit still in the desk. That's kind of kind of weird if you think about it. He needs to be chopping some wood, pushing a wheelbarrow, mowing the grass, putting on the boxing gloves, learning some wrestling, how to wrestle and fight, do some combat. And probably not a bad idea for some of the girls to learn that stuff, too. <laughs> Amen. You'll be so worn out, you won't have to fight with your family. You know what God wants us to do? Strive together for the faith of the gospel. You know how many outreaches we did last month? Over, I think, a dozen. You know how many we did the month before? Almost a dozen. If you can chop wood, you can stand on your feet and work eight hours a day, you can mow the grass, you can go out and pick one outreach a month, and you can do that. I can't do as many as you can, brother. You know what Don't hear what I haven't said. You can pick one. No, I can't. I'm telling you, you can't. No, I can't. I'm telling you, you can't. No, I can't. I'm telling you, you can't. So we just agree to disagree, we strive together to disagree, or we just strive together for the further into the gospel. Well, I just can't. Okay, well, then we'll send you some tracks and you can pull. See, we can strive together. I just can't. Well, I'll send you a text message, and, and as soon as we have, the, we have that outreach schedule, you mark it in your phone. When that bell goes off, you start praying for 10 minutes. We can strive together for the faith of the gospel. We can. So those of you that can't go out because of your age or your health, you don't have to answer. I'm just going to ask you. Are you fervently praying? When the text message or the email goes out, do you put the schedule on your phone or do you put the bulletin on your on your refrigerator? And do you honestly, honestly, don't tell me, tell God, do you pray for 5, 10, 15 minutes for the work? For the furtherance of the gospel. Are you in unity with us for that? We listed missionaries. At least some more missionaries. How many of you prayed for those missionaries this month, this week? Well, I can't do it every day. Don't do it every day. Well, I can't do it every month. Don't do it. Then don't do it every month. Do it once a month. Well, I can't do it once. Well, what are you doing? You let your grass grow high for a month and never cut it? You let the kitchen get in all disarray and never clean it? Got ahead of myself. Go back to verse number nine in Philippians 1. Look Philippians 1, verse 9. This, uh, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge 
and in all judgment, you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. What's the first thing that we pray in Philippians 1? What's the first thing that they pray? That your love may abound. That your love may abound. And it's not a problem with Christ's love. We all get that. John 3.16. We don't, we, we don't have any doubt. I, I'm assuming all of us no hindrance or doubt at all about God's love for us. What I'm talking about is our love for the brethren. Now, don't misunderstand this either. Loving people isn't condoning their sin. Well, the liberal Laodicean Christianity, that is not loving people. I'm going to say, well, whatever you want to do is fine. I just love you. That's not biblical love. Go to Philippians 2. Philippians <clears throat> 2, verse number 15. Bible says, uh, verse number 14, do all things without murmurings and disputing. That's a tough verse to obey. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. How do I do that? Verse 16, holding forth the word of life. That I may, here it is again, rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Be on your deathbed. Regretting not ran the race. Regretting not labored. Get in the battle. We're not looking for Sunday morning 11 to 11.45 Christmas. We're looking for full-time Christians. Monday through Sunday. Full-time. Situations arise in your life. Nobody can talk to me about sacrificing. Because I'll, I'll give you, you give me one story, I'll give you another story. How much time I've sacrificed. How much money I've sacrificed. You know that too. You've sacrificed time. You've sacrificed money. You've sacrificed work opportunities. You've sacrificed other opportunities. Why? For Christ. For Christ. You know why we support missionaries? You know why we sacrifice our money and give it to missionaries? I'm not going to South Africa. <laughs> you want to go? You want to get malaria 11 times in a year? Do you? Because if you do, I'll support you. I'll, I'll work and earn money and I'll give it to you if you're going to go preach the gospel. Okay? You know what local churches do? They sacrifice their money and they give it to missionaries because all Austin's are afraid to go to Mongolia. Amen? Everybody can't go. And everybody can't give. Some can give, some can give. Look at the whole hodgepodge of that. But we're all striving together for the furtherance of it. 
I'm not against the missionary in Italy because I don't go to Italy. You don't have to go to Spain to be for foreign missions, but you can give, sacrifice your time, earn money, give that money so it goes to missions. So that the gospel will be furthered. That might require us to give up some things. We all can relate to giving things up. We do that by holding forth the word of life and rejoicing the day of Christ, labor not vain. For 17, yea, and I, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice of service to your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Look at the very beginning of Philippians 2. If there, there were any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any vows and mercies, fulfill ye my love, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. We have many families here that homeschool their children. You know, when you homeschool your kids, you know what the one of the most important things is schedule them breaks. So everybody goes at the same. The kids, the parents, the siblings, schedule them breaks. You know why some parents, not all. You know why some parents send their kids to school? So they get a break. Getting a break isn't wrong. I'm not trying to tell you to send your kids to government school. What I'm saying is the principle of taking a break isn't wrong. Because if you homeschool and you don't give yourself a break, that's wrong. I'm not saying homeschooling wrong. I'm saying is the idea of not scheduling and break breaks. It's just a disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. I'm saying that because you you might need a break from public evangelism and dealing with lost people. We get a break from each other because when church service is done, we go home. There's a natural defaulted break in there. And then we come back. We might see each other out in the street doing evangelism. We'll see each other plan a, uh, you know, an outing to get together. But then what happens? By default, that ends. We go home and take a break. That's natural. In all relationships, that's a natural thing. At the end of the day, we take a break. We go to go take a nap. Don't take a nap on me now. <laughs> you, know, you know what we don't ever take a break from? Verse number the verse number one and verse two. Fellowship of spirit. We'll never take a break from that. Always. And that's how you can be filled with joy, be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. That's how we can let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. We never take a break from being led and guided by the Holy Spirit.
Three more verses. We'll be done. Look at verse number five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Unity comes from having the mind of Christ. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation. We can take that example to take the road of humility and took upon him the form of a servant. That's what we're called to do. We spoke about that at the beginning of the message. We're called the servant. And was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. This isn't about us. It's about having the mind of Christ. It's about serving Christ. It's about striving together for Christ. It's about going with God. That's what this thing's about. Unity builds community. And community doesn't happen by just showing up, sitting in church, going home, and getting on with your life. It has to be more than that. Consider a phone call, a text, an email, a lunch gathering. Participate in the fellowships. I can't evangelize. Participate in the fellowships. We're striving together with Christ. I look forward to seeing my brothers and sisters in Christ. I miss when I don't see them. I miss them. Fellowships and everybody's not here. I miss them. I miss their presence. The outreaches, we can get so much more done. I miss the presence of folks in the house. I'm not saying you have to attend everything. I'm not saying you're not right with God if you don't attend him. I'm not saying I'm more saved than you or the person that does everything is more saved than you. We're all equally saved. I'm giving you the charge this morning to consider doing more than what you've done last week. I'm preaching to myself, too. I'm preaching to myself. I look at our bulletins as I go over them and get the next one prepared. I say, you know what? I missed that one. I got to do more. Considering this, oh, this missionary, let's do more. The world was so small. How are we going to do it all? I don't know. We got to do more. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.